listening to Ahead of Tomorrow, the podcast that discusses topics to help today's workforce prepare for and stay ahead of tomorrow. The idea of the future can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. We'll help you prepare by sharing insights and research from today's industry professionals, thought leaders, and real people. Now, please welcome your host, Keith Keating. And on this episode, we'll be talking with Kamari Yol, a Vice President of Talent and Development for Quicken Loans. In 2018, Kamari was recognized in the 40 Under 40 list by the Michigan Chronicle for her exceptional achievements and community service. In 2019, she was recognized as one of Savoy Magazine's most influential women in corporate America. Kamari is a brilliant mind in the talent and development space with whom I have the honor of being in the same cohort for our doctoral program and someone I have the pleasure to call a close friend. Kamari, welcome and thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, Keith. It's a pleasure to be here. Michao Kaku, a theoretical physicist, once said, knowledge is useless if you don't share it. And you, my dear friend Kamari, have great knowledge that I would love to share with our listeners. I want to hear about your insights into the current environment that we're experiencing, but also I want to hear how Quicken is developing talent to stay ahead of tomorrow. But first, my introduction barely starts to scratch the surface of who you are. Would you please share with our listeners a bit more about your background? The first thing I'd like to share is that not only am I a leader in the corporate space, I'm also a mother. I have a 22-year-old son who is a phenomenal artist. I call him one of my greatest accomplishments in this world. In addition to that, prior to coming to Quicken Loans, I worked at the University of Phoenix leading their corporate education. I was also a leadership coach, which is actually how I ended up working at Quicken Loans as a leadership coach before I started leading in the talent development space. I had led high-performing teams for many years. And one of the things that I recognized while leading those teams was that if you could tap into someone's potential and help them discover that, they're was nothing that they couldn't do. That kind of sparked my interest to dig more into coaching professionally and really just learning more about it. And I decided that once that I retired, that I'd actually go and become a life coach. It ended up, there was an opportunity at Quicken Loans to actually do it professionally. I like to joke that I could do it professionally and have benefits. So I didn't have to go into the entrepreneurial space too early. And so I just found my niche. I like your reasoning for wanting to get into being a coach and tapping into someone's potential and helping them discover themselves. For me, it's the three E's. I want to empower, enable, and encourage Mm -hmm. people to really take control over their lives, over their futures, over their development. I personally don't believe that we should put that power in an organization's hand or even in the educational system's hand just to sit back and say, okay, teach me create me. Mm-hmm. No, you have to be an advocate for yourself. You've got to be a lifelong learner, but people like you are able to help them on that path to that discovery so that they can empower, enable, and mm-hmm. be encouraged. I tell you, Keith, one of the things that I say to every client that I'm working with, first thing that I tell them when we start a coaching engagement is that every answer that they're seeking is already within them. I am here just to help them discover it. I'm just a guide on their journey. I think that that's a really great point. We have the power inside of us. We just need conduits. We need people who can help us 
break through that shell and find that power to be able to let it shine. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening right now in the world. We're evolving very quickly, accelerating the pace of change. How is Quicken evolving right now? Rapidly, (laughs) rapidly. We are throwing the VUCA terminology around left and right. And I'm excited because we've done a lot of work with our leaders in the organization to lean into the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity for times such as these. And so it's been amazing to watch our organization and our leadership have this ability to pivot as quickly as as we have and to really leverage this opportunity to learn and evolve. Quicken Loans has not traditionally been a remote workforce. And for us to have now 98% of our team members working from home has been amazing. When we really think about the idea that we're collaborating much more now than we have in the past is exciting. And, you know, to hear our CEO say to us consistently to leverage this time to lean in, to learn, and to get ahead, to me, is just phenomenal. And it gives me a very energized feeling. There was a quote that I heard recently In times like this, it's not what this has done to you, but it is what opportunities has this created for you? What are some of the opportunities that this has created for Quicken? It's opened up our opportunity to attract talent into our organization and how we look at that. We are leaning into, you know, learning more about gig workers. We are leaning into how are we leveraging our existing talent within our organization to create even more opportunities for them. We are even thinking about how we design our space. Is there a different way that we could be doing it? Not because of current situation with COVID-19, but when we talk about people coming back into the office Is there a better way that we can be thinking about communication, collaboration, and connectivity? One of the other things that we've been talking about is as we are thinking about team members coming back into the office, but not even just coming back into the office, as we're thinking about team members currently in this space, we are seeing across the world an increase in mental health challenges. We are seeing increased numbers of people dealing with anxiety, isolation, the feelings of being overwhelmed. And so what we have done as an organization is we are providing outlets and opportunities for our team members to take advantage of the resources that we're offering. So this past Tuesday, we presented a mental health summit. It was a virtual mental health summit And it was from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. We talked about everything from mindfulness to parenting at home and the challenges of working from home. And what we did was we got a lot of sentiment from team members and what they wanted to talk about. And I'd say we had over a thousand team members sign up and register to attend that. Additionally, we do stress breaks where we will have virtual yoga. And so we partner with yoga studios throughout the city where we'll do virtual yoga. And so a team member can disconnect from work in the middle of their day to attend a session where they just are able to do yoga. So those very simple things we've started incorporating not just in the space of, hey, when team members come back to work, we we want to support them. We recognize that we need to support our team members today. And then we know that 
once team members come into the office, there are different things that we're going to have to offer them in the space of even dealing with the anxiety and the stress of thinking about coming back into the office. And so that's one of the things that my team, along with our benefits team, have been partnering together to say, when team members are coming to the office, how are we helping our leaders so that they create a sense of community for their team members that are coming in because the dynamic is going to be very different than it was prior to us going into this remote workspace. Mental health awareness is one of the best factors that has come out of COVID-19 in the sense that we're talking about it more. I don't believe that in the United States, I don't think that we talk about it enough. Mental health still has a stigma that's attached to it. I know I personally struggled the first couple of weeks because it felt like from a work perspective, mm-hmm. corporate perspective, everybody wanted to pretend like this was okay. Like, this is normal. We're just now working from home. <laughs> and I was confused because I had a lot of emotions. I found myself crying a couple of times a day, not for necessarily anything in particular, but just overwhelmed. You get on your Zoom session or whatever your virtual technology session is, and people want to just talk about work and have this regular conversation when it feels like the world's falling down around you. And it was a Harvard Business Review article that came out and the title Mm -hmm. was, What You're Feeling is Grief. And as soon as I read that article, it was my Oprah aha moment that yes, you've just labeled exactly what I'm feeling. It's grief for the world changing. It's grief for the significant amount of life loss. It's grief for our organizations. It's grief for all of the unemployment. Not necessarily we're grieving for ourselves as much as we're just grieving for the acceleration of change that we've just been thrusted into. I think that after six, eight weeks, I'm seeing more, at least on LinkedIn and other corporate discussions about mental health. I think we still have a long way to go, but I applaud you and Quicken Loans for really taking the effort to make a visible space for mental health. And the idea of a mental health summit is beautiful. And I think it's something that our listeners could consider taking back into their own organizations is providing that day where it is it is all about mental health, but having that ongoing support system, as you talked about. Yeah, it's been really great to have an organization that supports these initiatives as much as our our senior leadership does. Most recently, we also rolled out a course, it's called Inside Out, and it's for leaders. It's been created to help create awareness around mental health, but also to start to decrease the stigma. Because we were, what we were finding was that team members didn't feel comfortable and leaders didn't feel comfortable, you know, sharing some of their challenges. And, you know, one of the things that we say is that if I, if I break my arm or if I have diabetes or if I, if I have a physical challenge, we don't have an issue with sharing that. But if there's a challenge that I have with my mental health, we immediately become guarded. And when we do that, what happens is it creates a space where you don't get the fullness of a person. And so that the program that we launched last year to help leaders with recognizing when their team members may be having some mental health challenges, how to actually engage in the conversation and create a safe space with their team members and their peers so that people feel comfortable sharing, and then how to get them the support that they might need or just how to support them. Yourself as a leader has been extremely, extremely impactful within our organization. 
And now we're in the process of actually creating a course for our team members as well, because we also have recognized that often the first point of contact that you go to is a peer, not necessarily your leader. And so we were identifying that team members were expressing that they didn't know how to help a teammate that may be having a challenge and they didn't know what to say. And so we've been working with organizations in the mental health space to create a a class that will help to further decrease the, the stigma within our organization around mental health. That's a really unique and interesting approach. I have been considering it more from a leadership perspective. You know, we need to educate our leaders that the CEO now needs to be the chief empathy officer. And I guess I hadn't thought about how do we help educate our team members to either recognize the signs of mental health challenges in their team and or how do they support their mm-hmm. team members? Mm-hmm. That's a great evolution. I think that's, that's something very powerful for, again, our listeners to think about from, an act, from action items on what we can do. I think that we're, we're making some progress. We still have a long way to go in terms of mental health. For me, I start every one of my meetings with my team. How are you doing? Rate yourself on a scale from one to 10, 10 being you are phenomenal and one being, I need to hang up on this call right now because I just can't deal with it. Anybody that's at around a three or a four or below, I just ask mm-hmm. them to hang up. Do not take this call right now because you're not here. So why do I want to force you to be engaging in something when you're not present? Let's do this again when you're ready rather than it being on my time. There's a book out called When, W-H-E-N. Mm. And it's around the focus of What's your when, when you're ready, when you're working, when you're most productive, rather than this arbitrary eight to five or nine to five, which historically was our working hours, but now in this new environment, individuals are having to be parents, teachers, cooks, cleaners, husbands, wives. They're having to work in an environment that's probably a small space that was not outfitted to have a home office. (laughs) They're sharing it with their entire family. And so your win mm-hmm. may not be 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You might be able to do two hours here, then you need a couple hours break, two hours there, take a break. So I think it's important for people to have conversations with their managers, mm-hmm. with their leaders to help identify what your win is so that you are working when you're productive. We've got to be more open to understanding the win of your productivity. That is so true, Keith. One of the things that we recently did, I want to say in the last 30 days or so, is we had every team member take what we called a mandatory R&R day and was assigned to you so you you knew the exact day that you were going to be off. What we did was we encouraged them to do whatever it is that they wanted to do, like spend time with the kids, go out in the garden, do absolutely nothing, whatever it was. And the reason that we decided to do that was we identified that when we made the decision for everyone to work from home, from that time until when we decided to do our R&R day, we recognized that team members had either turned back in their PTO days. So days that they had already previously taken off, they requested to cancel those. Team members and leaders were not taking any PTO. Hours worked were up by a large percentage, even though we were saying to our leaders, encourage your team members to take time off and encourage them to take a day. They weren't. 
And when we did our our sentiment surveys, because we've been doing just like biweekly uh, pulsing of our team members, we were finding that team members and leaders were expressing guilt because there was so much going on and they didn't want to take the time off. And they felt like if they weren't going anywhere, why should they take the time off? They're just sitting at home anyway. And so we assigned the R&R days. And what we have found is that team members were so appreciative to be given that time for them to take the day off. Since that time, we've seen more of our team members taking more PTO days, which has been great. But the other thing that we talked to our leaders about was checking in with your team members and identifying what they may have needed in terms of a schedule accommodation. And so this sounds like it's it's simple, like, well, you should already know. But what we were finding was that unless the leader was actually leaning in with the team member and working with the team member to identify what would work, team members wouldn't bring that up because they felt like because everybody was pitching in and and really trying to push through this, that they didn't want to ask for accommodations. And they didn't want to say, well, because my kids are during this time of the day, they're up doing this and I'm trying to teach or I'm trying to do this. They weren't asking for the time. So the, the, the folks were actually burning both ends of the wick trying to work and take care of things in their homes with their families. And so now that we've increased the amount of support from leadership, we've demonstrated that numbers and money follow, they do not lead. And so therefore we are very, very concerned about our team members' health, safety, and well-being. Our team members are starting to take better care of themselves from the standpoint of knowing that we will work with your schedule, we will figure it out, it has been extremely important for us to make sure that we're putting our team members first during this time. I love what you just shared that numbers and money follow. They do not lead. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough of that belief across organizations, at least a number of the organizations that I've seen. I think I recall hearing that Quicken is not laying off people right now. No, we absolutely refuse to do that. And after the the mortgage crisis in 2008, our founder took a stance that we would never lay team members off again. We would figure it out and we would find avenues to support them. The beautiful thing about us is that we have a family of companies. There's always opportunity within the family of companies for our team members. And so What we have been doing is, as certain organizations may not have, or certain business areas may not have as much work as another, we support our team members through what we call Thrive. It's an internal talent mobility team that actually digs in with the business area leaders or the organizations, and they identify the needs. And then they match the gaps with the skills that we have within the organization, and we move talent around that way. So I'm going to ask a question for probably some of the listeners. Are you hiring? (laughs) Yes, we are hiring. We are hiring. We are looking for talent. We're we're hiring for entry-level positions. We are hiring for sales positions. We are hiring for technology positions. We are hiring for underwriters. You name it, we're probably hiring for it. And your headquarters is in Detroit, but your jobs are across the country. Yes. Now, because we are all working virtually, there's an opportunity for us to expand our talent pool. So those of you listening, looking for work, please check out Quicken. So you started to talk a little bit about the talent mobility team, and I think that leads me into one of my next questions. What programs or initiatives do you have in place that help your talent stay ahead of tomorrow? 
I shared with you our, our Thrive team that's just been amazing when it comes to identifying talent within the organization, working with team members, working with the business leaders. We also have, of course, our Dev Build program, which is for team members who are looking to shift their careers and move into the technology space and they want to become engineers. And so that's a 20-week program where the team member does that full-time once accepted into the program. And then once they complete the program, they're eligible to move into technology as a software engineer, which I think is an amazing opportunity. It's such a great program and approach because a number of organizations require candidates to already have that knowledge. And part of my area of focus is the gap between what university actually prepares you for in the real world. What I'm hearing and reading and researching a lot about are students that are coming out of their bachelor's degree, but not qualified to actually go and get a job. Quicken will hire individuals that may not have that skill set, and then through the Dev Build program, will upskill them while also mm -hmm. paying them full-time for that work. Exactly. That's a great program. How do you stay connected with your talent? We have a listening strategy. So we gain insights from our team members in a myriad of ways. We host town halls. Senior leadership does roundtables. We do pulse surveys. We do our annual engagement survey. We've beefed up our pulse surveys in this current environment because as we are trying to figure out what it looks like when we go back into the office, we are reaching out to our team members more frequently, leveraging their insights as well to help inform some of the decisions that we're going to make regarding us returning back into the office, which from my perspective, Keith, has been astounding to see because I've worked in organizations where engagement surveys or pulsing was a joke. You know, team members felt like, you, you, why are you asking me the questions and you're not going to do anything with them? I will say the last few years that we've been doing our engagement surveys, we take it very seriously. Our senior leaders, our CEO, our chairman, they take that feedback so seriously, which is awesome. And there's so many initiatives and programs that we're able to point to, to where decisions were made because team members shared insight. I'm going to give you an example. So one of the conversations that we've been having, we did a survey asking about office equipment at home, and we wanted to know what would make it better for you <laughs> working from home. And team members had a list of different things. And one of the things that came up high on the list was an office chair. And we haven't done it yet, but our senior leadership has really been talking about, we need to make their work from home experience as great as it was in the office. And, and if we know that when we go back into the office, it won't be the same as before we left to work from home, we really need to think about what does that look like? And so one of the conversations has been, how do we get team members office shares in their home? That's just an example of something that I think other organizations may not even ask the question or may not care about, but we're thinking about team members who are maybe now having back problems. And they're suffering from fatigue because they're sitting in their home chairs that were not meant for them to sit for eight or nine hours a day in and thinking about how do we make that a great experience for them. What you're helping raise awareness with is engage your employees, mm -hmm. find out what their environments are like, how we can replicate, how we can take this time to evolve our 
physical work environments for those who are going back or that hybrid approach, but staying connected to the employees to keep them involved mm -hmm. in that process. In terms of the Thrive team or the Dev Build programs, how do they work? How do they identify what the gaps are for the future that they need to be focusing on? They dig into where we are in the organization right now, dig into what is, what's the gap, what is the need. So for example, most recently, because of the current state of the mortgage industry right now, we're doing pretty good. Business is up. So what that means is we have to have more VOEs, which is a ver verification of employments. So that's gone up. That's increased. Well, one of the things that we recognize is that we didn't have enough people to actually do that on that particular team. And so what the Thrive team did was they reached out to business leaders across the organization. They asked us to identify certain a certain skill set and talent that we had on our team and also look at the current capacity of our team members. And so from that, we were able to say, hey, these are team members that we think would be great to help the organization by doing this particular role for a period of time. And so what we did was we moved a few hundred folks over for a 90 day period of time to help with that workflow internally. And it worked because some of our team members, because of the way business is ebbing and flowing, they had capacity. And so there's like interview processes. There's conversations that are being held with the team members. They're identifying the existing skills, where the gaps are in terms of placing them, and then having conversations with the various leaders across the company to do that as well. With the DevBuild program, it's a little different because there's... An aptitude test that's done, there's an assessment that's done to identify, it's really to identify where the team member is in terms of understanding technology and their skill set. And then that team member goes through an interview process with some of our technology team members and recruiters, and then they're placed in the DevBuild program. What we have identified though in the past few months is that some of our team members, there may be some additional gaps and so what we've done is we've layered on prereq classes where the organization pays for those team members to go to Grand Circus. I don't know if you're familiar with Grand Circus. They're a local coding technology boot camp located in downtown Detroit. And those team members will go through prereq classes to get them to the level necessary to be ready for dev build. That is a great, a great program. In fact, I am texting my brother as we speak <laughs> <laughs> to tell him to check out Quicken Loans, check out the Dev Build program, because he just graduated the bachelor's degree in computer science and networking, but he's struggling with being able to find a job because he doesn't have the work experience yet. He just has the education. Yeah. Tell him to go to myrocketcareers.com. We often go to a lot of HR conferences and folks are talking about AI and, you know, how are you leveraging that to match up the gaps with the needs? And one of the things that we found was that let's just take technology out of it. And so there's a team, the Thrive team has 11 team members that are dedicated to doing exactly what I just described to you in terms of reaching out across the organization, knowing when there are going to be shifts in the company and moves that have to be made to ensure that team members are not displaced. I believe in 2018, there was about almost 2,000 team members that were moved throughout the organization. 
who, and when we do surveys of team members and their experience with the Thrive Team, those NPS scores are through the roof because of the care and the thoughtfulness and the intentionality. And you can't get that with a computer program system. It's just not going to happen. When that person reaches out to you and shares with you, hey, we identify here's some gaps, here's some things that you you can work on. Hey, you know what? Work with the Academy of Talent Acquisition and they're going to run you through some mock interviews, right? We're going to help get you there. We're going to support you through that. I think it's just another testament to our commitment of every client every time, no exception, no excuses. That goes for team members as well. That's a beautiful sentiment in the terms of you focus on the human to human care and contact because you recognize the value and importance of that. And I think one of the potential risks Mm -hmm. in the future of work is that we do lose that. We become too focused on AI. I mean, we're seeing the backlash now with AI being responsible for part of the recruitment process and bias Mm -hmm. that can be coded in there. I know that I have like a really great opportunity working for the organization that I that I work for. And I am extremely appreciative that I get to do what I do every day with the people I get to do it with. To expound on what you just said is when I look out and I engage with my friends and, and colleagues that work at different companies and their experiences are so different than mine. That is what scares me. When, when I talk to friends who are finding out that they're, they're going to be back at work tomorrow and there's been n- no serious thought about their experiences going back into the office that worries me because we all have to live in this world together when it feels as though companies aren't thinking about their people at the same degree that they say they're thinking about their clients when there's no thought or see feels like no thought about the communities that they support you start talking about the future of work that's a bleak future to me And that's what scares me, is that if we're not really thinking about how do we get through this abnormal time to get to a new normal that's vastly better than what we knew the start of this year, that's what scares me. One of my passions is helping to dispel the fear and the spurious media headlines around the future of work and AI and automation and robotics taking over the world. One area that I do often hear about is the mortgage industry and how AI and technology is being used and will continue to be used to reduce Mm -hmm. the amount of time it takes to get a mortgage, (laughs) which I'm happy for. I think my process took 30, 45 days. It can now be reduced to I think I'm seeing an average between six to 10 days. Given that that's a foundation of your business, do you believe there's a valid concern for people losing their jobs in your industry as a result of AI and technology? Not within our organization. And it's so so interesting that you say that because you think about Rocket Mortgage. So we're the first company, and I'm going to go out there to say probably the only, that can do an end-to-end mortgage the way that we do online. However, that doesn't take the place of human interaction. When you're talking about making a life-changing decision uh, when you are either refinancing or purchasing a home. And so our CEO and president often says, let computers do what computers do best and let people do what people do best. And that's really how we look at it. So we streamline processes. We make it easier for the client to be able to close their, close in their homes in far less than, than 45 days. But you still interact with the human. 
<laughs> you, you're still going to talk to someone. We're just figuring out ways to make it a better experience for our clients. That's not anything that we're concerned about in terms of computers taking over, being a completely 100% online experience. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain people who don't want to talk to humans. Like there's some people, if if, I, <laughs> if they can do that completely online, they're going to do that. And we're here to support those, those clients as well. And it's funny, right? Because going back to the fact that we do have Rocket Mortgage and we talk about push button, get mortgage, but think about the question you asked me earlier. You asked me, are you guys hiring? There was never a hesitation in that answer. We are hiring for pretty much every role in our organization that supports the mortgage process. What a lot of people don't understand is technology works beside us. Technology is an enabler for us. And so when you have organizations or workflows or processes that are further enabled or technology driven, it frees us up to do other things. It frees us up to do our human skills, our higher order cognitive skills, and it gives the organization the opportunity to continue to evolve. Not that we are being replaced one for one. It's there are functions within our jobs that may now be automated or where technology can support us, but it frees us up to do other things. Mm -hmm. And it's not a threat. Exactly. We know that in the future of work, skills are a commodity. This is going to be a skills-based economy. What gaps right now do you think that the workforce has in terms of skill gaps that we need to be focusing on more? When we think about technology skill gaps, we're always looking for that, which is which is a huge reason that we have the DevBuild program because trying to attract talent to this region uh, from Silicon Valley is, is always a challenge. And so we've made that decision to, to lean in and upskill our folks and invest in, in our folks in that way in terms of building that talent. The other thing that I would add is when I think about what we call power skills or essential skills, some people call soft skills, that's where some of our largest opportunities are. And that goes to what you shared also earlier, Keith, about the human skills. I can teach you something technical, but when it comes to how you influence and persuade, how you can read a person and, and recognize the audience and adapt to the audience so that you can communicate effectively. When we talk about judgment and the fact that leaders are paid on their ability to make decisions and their judgment skills, those to me are where I see the biggest opportunities. And this is regardless of if you graduated from college or you came straight out of high school, those are the biggest opportunities that I see because those take longer to develop. And when we live in a world of 140 characters, where the way that we communicate is is often can be polarizing and short-sighted and assumptive. That can create very huge challenges for an organization, far greater than the lack of a technical skill. Absolutely. Human centricity is and should be our focus. It's the people that matter. It is. And it's mind-boggling to me that a lot of organizations don't invest in that type of skill development to the degree that I think that they should. Also, you know, when you think about children that are growing up in schools where teachers teach to the test, which then you see why we have the challenges that we that we tend to have once folks become adults and they enter the workforce because of the way that they have been conditioned and taught to think 
over the course of 20 years, give or take. One of my favorite quotes that I recently came across was, if individuals aren't learning, neither is the organization. Mm -hmm. What is one of your favorite quotes? One of my favorite quotes is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? In the spirit of vulnerability, I can relate with that quote 100%. There are a couple of times a day where I catch myself asking, why do you think that you can do that? Mm. And then you have to put that voice out of your head and just do it. That's a great quote. What's the last book that really challenged you to think when you were reading it? The last book is it's called Going Home, Jesus and Buddha as Brothers. What prompted me to, to just engage in reading it, I grew up Baptist, but I have done some light studying of Buddhism. And I was really trying to understand how does the two coexist? How do you hold your Christian beliefs, but also this belief of trying to create this kind of inner peace and in, in following Buddha? And could you do it? Could you do both? And that book has really, I'm still in the process of reading it, but it's really started to open up my mind about religion and spirituality and how people, man, create the tension and the dissension between the two worlds, but they can actually walk together, which then causes me to start thinking about society, right? So you talk about like challenging my thoughts, how we in society could do a better job of understanding each other's position and knowing that we don't always have to agree, but it's that ability to dissent that can actually get us further along if we do it with empathy, compassion, and understanding of each other's position. I like how you are discussing religion and spirituality. And I would add a third layer, a philosophy. Mm. Buddhism is a philosophy, is a way of life, basic skills that we should all be following as humans. And it goes back to the importance of being mm -hmm. human-centric. And that's really the foundation of Buddhism. I don't believe that it conflicts with any religion. You already are tying back the Buddhist philosophy with your passion. What you said at the beginning of the conversation was, if you could tap into someone's potential and help them discover that, the sky is the limit for them. And that's really what Buddhism is. It's about looking inside of you to find that potential and believing in it empowering, enabling, and encouraging yourself to solve your problems, to promote yourself and, and be able to move forward. So you're already on the path. You got me over here smiling. <laughs> that's never a bad thing. But that's great. So it was called Buddhist and Jesus? It's called Going Home, Jesus and Buddha as Brothers. That's great. With that, Kimari, thank you so much for joining today to share your experience. I didn't know too much about Quicken, before this conversation, but now I can tell you I'm an absolute fan. What I have heard and learned today is that Quicken is an employee-centric organization to the max. In fact, I, I would encourage people study it, or I would even encourage you write up a case study, even just focus on what we've been talking about today to help other organizations, to help other leaders recognize that there are strategies that can be put into place to make sure that you are employee-centric, like 
your listening strategies to stay connected, your mental health awareness. I loved the mental health summits that you were talking about and supporting team members today, but also helping them recognize mental health among each other. Because the reality is all of us can be leaders and all of us should be leaders. You don't need to have leader in your title or your org chart. And recognizing mental health among your team members, among your colleagues, and helping them address that is a way that we can all be leaders. Your mandatory R&R day is beautiful. And the quote, numbers and money follow. They do not lead. Those are all extremely, extremely powerful points of view from an employee-centric company. So what I'll tell you this is when it's time for my next mortgage, I will be reaching out to Quicken. (laughs) Awesome. Glad to hear that. You won't be disappointed. So if our guests would like to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way to reach you? You can reach me at Kamari, K-I-M-A-R-I-E, Yowl, Y-L-W-E-L-L, at Rock, R-O-C-K, Central, C-E-N-T-R-A-L, Detroit, Dot com. Rock Central Detroit. And I would also add that Kamari is very active on LinkedIn. So that's mm-hmm. another great way to reach out to you, be a part of your network and be able to learn from you virtually. Thank you, Keith. Thank you for joining this episode of Ahead of Tomorrow. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on more insights to help you be future ready. If you have a topic you would like covered, please drop us a line at podcast at keithkeating.com.